Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. We would turn in our Bibles to Genesis chapter 33. Genesis chapter 33. I really appreciate the song we just sang. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Amen. When we think about our sins, um, we couldn't even number them. But His mercy is more. We, we, uh, His mercy is so deep that it could forgive all of our sins, all of the sins of everyone who would ever trust in Him. So let's uh, let's look at Genesis chapter 33. Now when we uh, looked last week, we were talking about, I mean, we're still in the life of Jacob. We're still in the life of Jacob. Uh, Jacob has been, up to last week, a scoundrel. He he was a deceiver, that was his name, and he lived up to his name. He he, he, uh, uh, tricked his brother out of his birthright and out of his blessing, and he had gone away fleeing for his life because his brother wanted to kill him. Last week we saw he was getting on his way and he was still scheming. Last week when we looked at the passage where uh, he put the servants and all their children in the front, and then Leah, and then uh, Rachel, and he was back there in the back like a coward. But then, what happened at the end of the last week's passage was that Jacob wrestled with God. And Jacob became Israel. He was no longer Jacob. He was now Israel. And I think in this week, we see a change has taken place in Jacob. Because of his encounter with God. When we meet the Lord, when we wrestle with Him, when we are born again, it makes a change in our lives. And we're different than we used to be. Let's look at our text, beginning in verse 1 of chapter 33. And Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, Esau was coming, and four hundred men with him. So he divided his children among Leah and Rachel and the two female servants. He put the servants with their children in front, then Leah with her children, then Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on before them, bowing bowing himself down to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And when Esau lifted up his eyes, he saw the women and the children, and he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the servants drew near, they and their children, and bowed down. Leah, likewise, and her children drew near and bowed down. And last, Joseph and Rachel drew near and bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I met? Jacob answered, To find favor in the sight of my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough. My brother, keep what you have for yourself. 
Jacob said, No, please, if I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like the face of God, and you have accepted me. Please accept my blessing that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have enough. Thus he urged him, and he took it. Then Esau said, Let us journey on our way, and I will go ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and that the nursing flocks and herds are a care to me. If they're driven hard for one day, the flocks will die. Then my Lord will pass, let my Lord pass on ahead of his servant, and I will lead on slowly at the pace of the livestock that are ahead of me and at the pace of the children until I come to my Lord in Sire. So Esau said, let me leave with you some of my people who are with me. But he said, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day and went on his way to Sire. But Jacob journeyed to Succoth and built himself a house and made booths for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Succoth. And Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, on his way from Padanaram. And he camped before the city. And from the, from the sons of Hamor, he, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money the piece of land on which he had pitched his tent. And he erected an altar there and called it El Elohe Israel. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Well, we thank you that uh, you speak to us. You didn't leave us in the dark to figure things out. But you have revealed your word to us on the pages of Holy Scripture. Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to understand and obey. And Father, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would open our eyes to see your glory on these pages. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Our passage picks up where we left off. The 400 men that um, Esau that Esau had that Jacob was afraid of, well, they had just about arrived, and uh, it begins to look about the same. Again, he puts the women, the servant women, and their children in front, and then he puts Leah and her children, and then Joseph and Rachel. But something is different. This changed man, instead of being in the back where he had safety went up to the front and he led the way. He put himself in front facing what he thought was danger. And there was no danger at all. We see now that as as, uh, uh, Esau comes, he's expecting, he doesn't know what to expect. All he knows is there's 400 men with his brother and he is pleasantly surprised to see his brother come to him and he ran just like the father in the story of the prodigal son. He ran to him, and he embraced him, 
And he fell on his neck and he kissed him. What a, what a beautiful story there. What a beautiful picture of a, of a, of a reunion. But I, I think that as we look at the chapter as a whole, it may not be quite as beautiful of a reunion as, as, we, as it looks at first glance. Yes, we can be thankful that Esau had relented. He was not going to kill his brother. Uh, there was a, a peace between them, but at the same time, things were not as they necessarily should be between brothers. We continue on. We see that uh, Esau, he lifts up his eyes and said, Who are these all with you? And Jacob, he answers, in a way that has been changed. He says, these are the ch- these children. These, uh, I'm sorry. The children whom God has graciously given your servant. First thing we see there. There's no mention of mandrakes. There's no mention of all the manipulative things that Jacob tried to do to increase himself. Jacob gave credit where credit was due. God gave these children to me. He didn't beat around the bush or try to give any other reasons. He says, God gave these children to me. Also, we see a little bit of something else here. Remember back whenever Jacob and Esau were struggling within the womb of uh, their mother, Rebekah. And Rebekah had this vision in which she, she was told that the older would serve the younger. Look at what Jacob says to his brother. These are the children whom God has graciously given your servant. He puts himself in the position of a servant. While he is greater in God's economy, in the way that God looks at things, he lowers himself and humbles himself and puts him in the place, himself in the place of a servant. And the next thing we see, then the servants, so all of the, uh, the mothers and their children come by and they all bow down before Esau. And Esau says, what do you mean by this company that I met? All of the gift that he was going to give to his brother, um, uh, the, the, the 200 uh, lambs and, and all of those, uh, those animals. I mean, when, when, uh, the way my friend calculated it, it was like $260,000 worth if we were to look at it in this day's money. What is this? All this company that you've, you've sent before you. And Jacob says, if I found favor in your sight, accept this present from my hand. Um, Esau, of course, he says, no, 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 no. I have enough. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? I've got enough. The Lord has blessed me too. He's a, he's a descendant of Abraham and he was blessed as well. Yet, Jacob says, no, no, please, please accept this. There's an important reason why Jacob has to insist that his brother take this. See, Jacob was making restitution. He had stolen his brother's birthright. He had stolen 
His blessing. And Jacob wanted to make restitution. When you, it's just like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, whenever he came and he met Jesus, he was changed. And what did he do? He gave back four times as much to anybody he had cheated. Jacob needed to make restitution. When he met the Lord, it changed him, and he needed to give back what he had stolen. So he insists that his brother takes this. And look at the words that he says. Um, If I have found favor in your sight, then accept my present from my hand, for I have seen your face, which is like seeing the face of God and you have accepted me. Imagine. You know, there are not very many people that the Bible says saw God face to face. Moses, we know, saw God face to face. And even then, he actually, you know, he's spoken of as being uh, seeing God face to face. And yet, we, we also see in the text that it, he, he only saw maybe the back part. And, and Jacob here, he wrestled with God and he named the place Penuel, meaning the face of God. But yet he's saying, your face, Esau, your face was like the face of God. You know, I think there's something interesting. When we, when we um, interact with people, when we interact with people as Christians, we represent God to them in a way. We represent God to them. And when, when Esau accepted his brother back, I think that was a, a physical representation that Jacob was accepted by God as well. When we accept those into our membership, when, people, when we accept those into our church to come and attend, we, we communicate that they are accepted by God. Now, of course, we wouldn't have somebody in our membership who has not had that born-again experience or at least testified to that born-again experience. But when we allow someone to join, we communicate, you are accepted by God. And this is something Jacob feels as he meets his brother. I have seen your face, which was like the face of of God. And notice, remember also last week, who was Jacob afraid of? He wasn't afraid of God. He was afraid of his brother. He had a misplaced fear, fearing man, fearing his brother instead of fearing God. And I think this line is maybe an indication that he has his fear in the right place now. So he gives the restitution. And Esau accepts it. Now, we go on from there. Esau said, Let us journey on our way, and I will go ahead of you. But Jacob said to him, My Lord knows that the children are frail, and the nursing flocks and herds are are a care to me. If they're driven hard for a day, all the flocks will die. Um, Jacob well, Esau wants him to come and, and follow him on to Sire. Come, live with me. Live where I'm at. But Jacob may know that there's something up. You know, 
when Esau came out and met Jacob, and he ran out, and he embraced him, and he kissed him, there was another time when Jacob had that same kind of greeting. And it was Laban. When he went to meet Laban, Laban greeted him the same way. And that didn't turn out very well. Laban ended up tricking him and all those kinds of things. So we know that just because someone uh, is, has a great hospitable uh, embrace, you know, that just someone's nice to you and they first meet you doesn't necessarily mean they have good intentions. Esau was trying to persuade Jacob to come to him, come with him, to live with him in Sair, but Sair is not the promised land. Sair is not in the land of Canaan that God had given Abraham and his descendants forever. So Jacob knows that this is not where I need to go. I need to go to the land of Abraham. I need to go to the land that God has promised me and my descendants. So he doesn't give that explanation. He kind of gives an excuse. Maybe he's trying to be polite to his brother. I don't know. But he he just says, the animals can't take it. The animals can't take it. I can't drive them so quickly. So you go on ahead. And Esau tries to say, oh, let me leave some people with you to help you. Jacob's like, no, I I don't need that. I don't need that. So Jacob, instead of going to Sair, he journeys up on to Succoth, which was on the way to Canaan. And when he gets to Succoth, he built a house and he makes booths for his livestock. And that place is called Succoth. Now, um, you may have heard of the Feast of Booths that's a Jewish holiday even today. Uh, some, sometimes that, that holiday is referred to as Sukkoth as well, because that's what the word means. It means booths. So he, he, he came to Sukkoth and he, he made these booths for his life to stock and he settled there for a little while, but then he went on a little further. When he came to safe, he came safely now to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. He's finally made it back to the land that he had been promised. In the land of Canaan, and on his way, on his way from Padanaram, and he camped before the city. And from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, he bought for a hundred pieces of money. Now, funny, it says a hundred pieces of money. We, we, this is unknown. We don't know what the, what the uh, value of this uh, unit of money would be. It's, it's kind of a, a word that is... Uh, we don't know the translation. We know it's money. We don't know exactly how much it is. But for this hundred pieces of money, he, he bought this piece of land and he settled there and he pitched his tent. And I want to look at the last line here. And there he erected an altar and called it El Elohe Israel. Now back whenever we were looking at Abraham's life. Before before this series, we had gone through the life of Abraham more than a year ago. And in the life of Abraham, um, when he came to the promised land, he would travel all over the place and everywhere he went, he built an altar to the Lord. And now we see Jacob, he's come back to the promised land and he's doing the very same thing that Abraham did by faith. 
Jacob, or Israel, has now built an altar. This is the first time we see Jacob build an altar. He had built a memorial before whenever he came to Bethel, but he didn't build an altar. Now he finally builds an altar, a place of sacrifice. And he calls it El Elohe Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. I think that um, when we come to this last part, we, we, we see in this story the changes that have taken place in, in, in uh, Jacob's personality. He put himself in front. He made restitution for the, the things that he had stolen. And his mind was set on God's promises. His mind was set on the promises that God was going to give him this land. He starts walking in the ways of Abraham and building an altar altar, and worshiping the God of Israel. And you know, before he said, the God of my father, the God of Isaac, the God of, uh, of, uh, um, of Abraham. This time, he doesn't call it the God of my father. He says, the God of Israel. That's his name. He's saying, no, it's my God. We see here, I think, a changed life. It's not this great reunion that we sometimes, at at the beginning, they ended up going and parting ways, and the next time we see the two together, it's at the funeral. Probably 20 years passes. Maybe you can think of relationships uh, between two people where uh, maybe siblings, they don't even speak to one another until finally the funeral comes and they have to be in the same room together. That's the kind of relationship they ended up leaving this place with. They never even saw each other again until the funeral of Isaac Isaac comes around. Just because Jacob met the Lord, he was changed. He had real change in his life. But it doesn't mean that all of his mistakes were now magically wiped away and he didn't have to live with the results of what he had done in his past. He still had a strained relationship with his brother. And that's the same way it is with some of our lives. We may have come to know the Lord and He accepts us. He accepts us fully. We have turned our hearts and our lives over to Him. He has washed us clean in His own blood. He has saved us. He has made us new people. And yet, we still walk with the consequences of decisions we made before we ever followed Jesus. But one day, all will be set right. This all leads forward. We know that this is the family line that leads to the Savior, to Jesus who would come. And when Jesus came, He told this story of the prodigal son. And this was not a prodigal son who, whenever he was embraced by his father, still had to deal with being reminded every day, oh, you remember what you did. 
You remember what you did. No, the father didn't say that to the son in the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son was welcomed and he was embraced and he was loved. It's like the sheep that had gone astray. And Jesus leaves the 99 and goes after the one. We are like that for Him. He loves us. And while we still deal with temporal consequences sometimes, there will come a day when we have put our faith in Jesus, when we have trusted in Him in the blood atonement that He made upon the cross, when we throw ourselves on His mercy, a day will come when He will wipe away every tear from our eyes. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes and we will be made new creations. We are new creations if we've trusted in Christ. We are new creations, but we will have a new and glorified body one day. Not in this life, but one day He will come and make all things new. listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.